Welcome to the South Fellowship Podcast. Here at South Fellowship, we exist to help people live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. And wherever you're listening from today, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. read, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. If the tomb remains full, your faith is empty. If Jesus is dead, your faith with it is dead. Paul, at the very end of this book, this letter to the church of Corinth, on a high level, he, he talks about resurrection and he says, if this is the case, there's one conclusion. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. The conclusion, carpe diem. Seize the day. Live according to any way that you so hope or dream or imagine or according to your internal, natural urges. Everything is carpe diem. That's the reality. But if Christ has been raised from the dead, death has been swallowed up in victory and victory is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. The conclusion, if he is raised, is victorium. Christus victor. He has given us victory. So landing this book, the question that Paul is asking and the question that we need to ask ourselves today is, is the resurrection making any difference in your life? Is the resurrection making practical difference in your life today? So Jesus, we need you. Jesus, help us. We truly need you to show us, show us the way to let the resurrection make a difference in our lives. Would you be a part of this service and a part of our days so that we can be experiencing more of you? We pray this in your name. Amen. Is the resurrection making a difference in your life? That's the question we need to be asking. And as I started thinking about that, it's a tough question. Is the resurrection making a difference in my life? Lord, I hope, I want it to be, I believe in it, but how many days do I literally wake up and resurrect from slumber to life and the, awake, the world of the awake and think that I can do it on my own? Maybe Jesus is actually past tense and not present tense. And the Lord, as I was processing this, he said, do you treat me like I'm dead? Like I'm still sleeping? Or do you treat me like I'm alive and well and I'm and making a difference in your life? 
What about for you? Are you treating Jesus as if he's dead? As if he doesn't speak? As if he doesn't have any interaction with your life or your daily decisions? With your family, with church life? This was true of the Corinthians. Everything that Paul was talking about, he says, in your ethics, in your worship, in your life within the church, all, if you treat Jesus as dead, you can continue to do what you're doing. But the truth is that if we live this way, we live like Jesus is dead. Friends, I'm living a lie. You're living a lie. The Corinthians are living a lie because it's not true. The truth is, the very beginning of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul gives this almost creed. He's like stating it so strongly as if it is like the center bedrock of what they believe. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised to life according to the scriptures. And the, the Corinthians are questioning the resurrection. They're bringing this up in conversation, asking, debating whether or not this is true, trying to debunk the fact that Jesus is alive. And I don't know how many of you are trying to debunk that Jesus is alive. For sure there are people out there that are trying to debunk what Paul really actually said and, and people that are just not living like this is true. So to those, Paul gives examples. He says, if, if you're gonna take Jesus and this whole case of whether or not he's dead or alive to court, you're gonna go first to find some eyewitnesses to tell you whether or not that is the case. And he lists many of them, including himself. He says that he himself has seen the risen Christ. And not only that, not only in, in the moment or the context is the resurrection true because people have seen him and that he's appeared to many. It's also something that goes back throughout generations. There have been scriptures that were many, many years ago that are now being fulfilled. So this resurrection is not just an eyewitness small case. It's a generational truth, which means it's generationally true for us too. And we have seen miraculous conversions. Maybe you're a miraculous conversion. Maybe you are thinking about the ways that, that Jesus has come to you and changed your life. And then so many have staked their life on this case. They have become martyrs up until death, being tortured at the stake, saying, I 100% believe this is true. And it's not like we're gonna run after a faith that we just, that people are martyrs because of. But doesn't that exclamation point the truth of the eyewitnesses and the prophecy and the miraculous conversions. And I think it's even obvious that when we look at the world around us, the creator of the universe, the one who built this story of death and resurrection, he's built it into our very story. Like I said, every night we go to sleep and we rise again. 
in the work, in the creative work that we do in culinary arts. Things die in order that new things can be built. In construction, we renovate, we demolish in order that things can, can be renewed. Over and over and over again, we have these markers of resurrection around us. So everything is pointing to the fact that this thing is true. And in our history, in our church history, we have founded our entire faith on this truth. We have made it a creed for ourselves. The Nicene Creed gathered together and they say, this is what we say, this is what we believe, that for our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death, he was buried and rose again the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That's straight from 1 Corinthians 15. He suffered, was crucified, died, buried, descended, and he rose again from the dead. So friends, you can stand firmly on this truth that Jesus has raised from the dead. And maybe just a little practical creed that you could use daily. When you raise from sleep to awake, you say Christ died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. You can found your life on this kind of creed because it's true. Paul is spending so much time talking about the resurrection, and it's almost annoying how much he goes into if, if this didn't happen, and if this did happen, and if this didn't happen, but he really is drilling this case home. And he's using a literary structure to add exclamation, exclamation, exclamation point that Christ has raised from the dead. In this next section of the, of the chapter, he uses a chiasm where he parentheses the very center point in order to really exclaim that center. And on the outside parentheses, he says, if there is no resurrection from the dead. And in the middle, there is indeed a resurrection from the dead. But look at what he adds to the outside parentheses. He says, if you tear this down, if you tear down deconstruction, or if you tear down resurrection, you deconstruct it, the results are awful, awful. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, he is still dead. He's not living, he has no authority or power, he is not interested in interacting with your life at all. He's dead, the dead stay dead. Christians are liars. And anyone that you've known that has gone to sleep is dead forever. That's hopeless. It means our faith in him, our faith in gathering together, this thing, it's pointless. Sin, it's not going anywhere. It's actually gaining more authority and power, holding us captive. Our hope is disappearing. Death wins, and Christians are pitied just to name a few. Paul goes in, into saying, this is an, an awful conclusion. Friends in Corinth, don't go there. 
Don't deconstruct resurrection. The conclusion is not helpful, and it is not hopeful. But instead, in the very center of his chiasm, let me read it for you. But Christ has indeed raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Hey, that means others are going to raise too, right? For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. As for Adam, all die. But so in Christ, all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. When the end will come, when, his hand, when he hands over the kingdom to the Father, after he has destroyed dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign until he has put all the enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it comes to everything has been put under his feet, it's clear that that doesn't include God, just so you know. <laughs> but everything else is put under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be subject to him who has put everything under him in order that Christ, that God may be all in all. Look at the beautiful conclusion if we do believe in the resurrection. First, Christ is alive. He's not dead. He's active. He's living. He wants to, to continue to rule and reign and be the begot, only begotten Son of God for eternity. And he's living today. Second, he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. As we look to the future, we know that Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns because he rose from the dead. He also will reign and completely destroy any dominion, authority, and power of the evil one. Do we really hope and, and desire that that's the case? Yes, let's put to death the things that bring death. Let's bring to life the things that bring life. And our hope is that he reigns and he will reign and fully over, overturn this story. Everything will be placed under him. He will defeat death so that it is totally destroyed. And ultimately, that God has access to all things. I just wrote them down in a list like this. Our testimonies are true if he's raised. Jesus is alive. Dead things come to life. Humans come alive. God gets to the victory, destroying evil dominion. Christ reigns. Death forever is destroyed. God accesses all things. Amen? Amen? And God accessing all things is not just in a future tense. The whole point of Paul writing this to the Corinthian church is, is the resurrection making a difference in your life today? Not just in the future. He goes into some really beautiful movement and climax that yes, one day death will completely lose its sting. And there will be total victory. And, who know, and if you're curious about what that's going to look like, 
That's a little silly. He says, how foolish. But don't worry, you're going to have what you need for the coming kingdom. If you look at evidence around you, you see that God has always created the, like, the body that creatures need for their environment. And he will give us a, a body created for our environment. He will do it. And it's going to be glorious. And when it happens, death is going to turn to life. Defeat is going to turn to victory. Everything that you thought was heading to hell in a handbasket is going to <laughs> resurrect and enjoy life under the reign and rule of G King Jesus. But it's not just in the future. It's also right now. It's also right now. Jesus has been resurrected in order that he is resurrecting things. That he has more and more and more access to all of us. So when it says that, that God will fully access all things, he'll be all in all, yes, we want that in the future, but do we want that right now in the present? Do we want his reign to be over our mind? His reign to be over our emotions? His reign to be over trauma that we carry with us? Yes, because when we give our lives to him, he is the one who resurrects it. He brings it to life. And friends, God is on the move. He is doing a work of, the, of resurrecting. I have heard several, several people that have heard the Lord say that God is resurrecting the church. He's waking them up. And he wants to have more and more access to all of us. So me and with some of my team from Chronic Hope and Healing, we have been seeing God resurrecting people. Resurrecting, there's, I'm just going to use some, some names that are not really true, but you'll get the gist of it. <laughs> the real, the stories are true, right? So Brad is a guy who has really, he was kind of done with God. His wife was dragging him to church, and he didn't really care too much. And ultimately, he felt angry at God. Angry at God that he had allowed some bad things to happen to him and to his wife in years past. And he was still holding on to that kind of bitterness, and he wasn't trusting God. But when, when some of our people have sat with him, and they have honestly brought those truths out into the light and said, yes, those things happen. Yes, God allowed those things to happen. But God doesn't need you to be holding on to them. He needs you to get honest and, and to, to lay them before him so that Christ can reign in that space instead of his bitterness and fear and needing to put God in only inner encounter God on his own terms. He needed to let those things down. He needed to offer them to the Lord in order that, that Jesus could sit in that place and reign in him again. The place in his heart that he did believe that Jesus raised from the dead. His place where he was seated in the authority of Christ could reorient that bitterness and it could dissipate in order that now he can Live his life with confidence in the Lord, 
And it's affecting the way that he's living out his career, and it's affecting his marriage, and the way that he steps into church. It's incredible when, when we let God in to resurrect those places inside of us. Kyle, a guy who was totally shut down emotionally. It was safer to be shut down than to be emotive and to really have pain. And when he came to the, to the Lord and said, God, this is a reality in my life. I shut down because this happened to me and I'm getting honest about this. And the Lord gently opens him up and says, yeah, let me reign. Let me reign in those emotions. So now he's actually able to tell his wife what he feels and that's getting, making their marriage better and it's making their family better and, and he's able to engage with God in a way that he never had before because he was so turned in. Friends, we all have those places. There are places like Susan that are shut down because they've given up on their gift and call and they don't know who they are in Christ. And the more that we let Christ reign and we say, yeah, this is who I am in Christ, then it can free us to live into a new reality. And I can tell you that this is happening in my own heart and life. A couple years ago, I came to the Lord with a lot of dread and discouragement. I was not victorious. I was feeling like the enemy was having his way and that I was stuck. But I had to, I had to believe and trust that God wanted to do a work in resurrecting that place of dread in my life in order that actually I could stand in, in greater confidence knowing that that's, this is actually true. I was living a lie, and once I understand that he reigns, I can live in truth, and that truth set me free. Friends, resurrection is all around us, and God is on the move doing this, and he wants to do it in you to make even more of your heart and life more alive more able and confident to give testimony that his resurrection is real. You know, John Whale says that the Gospels do not explain the resurrection. It's actually the resurrection that explains the Gospels. So if we want to give good news, we have to be living good news. Living resurrection. Resurrection is not an appendage to the Christian faith. It's it is the Christian faith. This is the big thing. So Paul is screaming this at the very end of his letter to the Corinthians. Haven't you heard what I've told you? The good news. It is all rooted in resurrection. And resurrection has real implications on how you live today. So the very last line of his teaching before he moves into like some side comments in his letter. He gives him a charge. He says, therefore, because this is all true, and because this is of utmost importance, you, brothers and sisters, can stand firm, immovable, let nothing move you. That's, that's the word, immovable. You know those people that just are winners? that they're out there and they seem like they're conquering the world, that's us. We can stand firm as winners, immovable. And here's the secret. We can always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord because our labor is not in vain. 
The secret to the, to the kingdom is that we win. So no matter what's coming after us, no matter what is storming in our lives, we stand immovable because we're on the winning team. Resurrection says we've been given the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that place in us that has been redeemed, that has already been resurrected, from that place, you can say to the rest of your life, come in order, come under the reign of Jesus Christ in order that he might fully set you free to live. I rewrote it in this way. Friends, live secure, immovable, living out your purpose victoriously because kingdom work does not fail. It is not going to fail. Every piece of kingdom work that you do in your job, in your family, in your home, during your holidays, every kingdom way is not going to fail. So you can be confident to build your life on resurrection. Friends, don't deconstruct resurrection. Don't deconstruct it by, by living as if Jesus is dead. Because it's not true. You're living a lie. Resurrection makes all the difference. As you go from here, I wanna give you just a little resurrection cycle to keep in mind. Resurrection starts with one thing, trust. Trusting in the Lord with all of our heart, leaning not on our own understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledging him, and he resurrects things. He makes them straight. He makes them work. He makes them come alive. It starts with trust. And friend, I don't know if you're out there in the audience today and you're wrestling with this part of the resurrection cycle. Like, you gotta get honest about having trouble trusting God. Because if we trust God, we will feel free to get honest about the ways that we're not living in resurrection life. And we're able to get honest with him in order that he can reign in those places once again. He can turn our bitterness into gladness. He can turn our death into life. Those places inside of us that are shut down into living again. He can do that because that's what he does. When we let him reign, resurrection's on the other side. So build your life on resurrection. Resurrection makes all the difference. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you're alive. We thank you that you even gave us a gift of your spirit, your living spirit that would be a part, that would be close to us as we're waiting on the ways that you will take more and more rain in days to come. But in the process, we ask that you would keep resurrecting us. Give us courage to trust you in those places Give us courage to give you more and more and more access to all the parts inside of us. And would you keep breathing your resurrecting power into our hearts and lives 
that we might continue to glorify you with fresh testimony. We thank you, Jesus, for doing that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before I walk off stage, I do want to share a little bit about this kind of move that I'm making into partnering with Chronic Hope and Healing. I've been partnering with many of these individuals in some capacity. We've put together conferences and we have social hour and workshops for you know, mental health therapists and, and specialists in this arena. But we really are becoming more and more and more passionate that people have these deeply rooted problems that maybe they're having trouble getting access to and having, tr having trouble letting Jesus reign in. And also finding that kind of help can be costly. And we are passionate about making healing accessible. And so me joining them full time and, and working with them, we're, our dream is really to make that healing accessible by starting a pay it forward model clinic where people can receive healing and care uh, without having to pay the big dollars. Um, but in order for us to do that, we need people to partner with us. And we, we continue to make content, we're continuing to bring practitioners together to support them, but ultimately we, we're gonna need partnership. And I love, I mean, Alex has been so great about wanting to partner with us and, and allow us to use space here from time to time. Um, but really, our biggest need is that we need prayer. This is spiritual work, and we are trying to push back darkness in people's hearts, and so we need partnership in prayer. And I would love for every one of you to, to go to Chronic Hope and Healing and to sign up for our newsletter and just to receive updates as to what we're doing and to pray for us regularly because we will need your covering and your support. And we also know that you can be a part of making that healing possible at, through your prayers because prayer is powerful and effective. Another way that you can partner with us and a big need would be financially. In order to get this thing actually moving and fully functioning, our, our projection is having 200 partners giving $100 a month would, or any other amount would actually help us launch that clinic in 2023. So we're asking for the numbers now um, so that we can really get this thing off the ground quickly. So if you feel prompted to, to give, uh, we will gratefully receive that, but know that your gift is being a part of making healing accessible to those people. To, and maybe you need to receive care and healing too, and we'd love for you to, to be a part of what we're doing. So chronichopeandhealing.com is the website. You can find ways to partner with us through prayer and financially right there. And if you feel prompted to learn a little bit more and you want to sit with us and meet the whole team and get to know more of our heart and what God's doing, we've got some desserts for in the next two months, and we would love for, um, to enjoy some dessert and tell you about what God is doing. But friends, let's make chronic hope and healing a real thing um, by partnering together this year. Thank you. If God is working in your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us. You can give online at southfellowship.org give or on the South Fellowship Church app. 
Thanks again for listening and have a great rest of your day.